Um, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me again? To, we were here last Sunday morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And when you get there, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, if I'd ask you just to stand for the reading of God's word this morning. So once you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, stand to your feet. We'll read together God's word. And we are going to read from verse 51 to the end of the chapter. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 51 through to the end. Would you all read it with me audibly this morning? We stand for the reading of God's word to honor his word in God's house this morning. Verse 51, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Father, this morning we pray that you would bless your word, that you would anoint it. Lord, that you would speak to us, that you give us hearts that are open, ears that are open. Lord, would you speak into every life in this room. You know every need. Lord, you know each and every every single one of us intimately. You know the very hairs that are numbered upon our head. So God, we pray that your word would find that good ground, bring forth much fruit. We ask for your anointing upon your word, O oh God. Speak, we pray. Glorify your name. We ask for the preaching of your gospel across these nations. Lord, to be an endowment of power upon your servants across the land. Lord, we pray, O oh God, there be an opening of ears and hearts. Lord, to be a quickening by your spirit, Lord, in the days in which we're living. Lord, Lord, our one desire is to see Jesus lifted up and glorified in the nations before you come. So, Lord, bless your word, we pray in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, Amen. Let's take our seats together this morning. It's that last verse that we have been looking at. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know, friends, brothers and sisters, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Unmovable, when a world that's moving rapidly, changing day by day, hour by hour, nearly minute by minute, we're watching the whole world changing around us at a dramatic rate. I just want to, again, just to go through God's word. There's a lot of scriptures the Lord has been just putting on my heart over these couple of weeks. And it's the word of God that's essential. That's our guide. That's our guidelines is God's word and to be governed by the Holy Ghost. But we need to be a people that are unmovable. That doesn't happen by our own strength. We, we know the storms, the winds. There's a battering about. There's many afflictions, sickness, troubles. There's depression, there's suicidal spirits, 
and thoughts that are sweeping across the nation, across God's people. There's all manners of seducing spirits in the days in which we're living in that are just sweeping across this land at this present time. But how will we be unmovable? Because we know it's not in our own strength. The Word of God tells us that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. He is still the great deliverer. No matter what we are facing, going through, no matter how we feel or what is happening in this world, we thank God we have a great deliverer this morning, and his name is Jesus. We know, and I just want to simplify it if I could this morning, basically in this world, there are two kingdoms that are at work. Just simply two. And we might get caught up in what we're seeing as the political shows that are taking place in the world. I thank God that he's above it all and he's on the throne. But there are simply two kingdoms in this world. That's just the bottom line. There's the kingdoms of men. And I believe that that is simply under the control of the God of this world. That is the devil himself. The Bible tells us that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that the God of this world blinds the minds of them that believe not. It's a spiritual problem. The problem in our nation is a spiritual problem. The problem in the world is a spiritual problem. Why men try many things to fix what's wrong, but the problem is a spiritual one. And it's the God of this world that blinds the minds of them that believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in unto them. That's the answer, Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talks about that world, that that kingdom of this world. And he tells us something, speaking to the church, of course, who have been saved, who have been quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin. But then he gives us a little bit of an insight to that world, this, this world, this kingdom that is headed up by the Satan himself, the devil, Ephesians 2 and verse 1, if you turn to it, he says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Were in time past ye walked according. See the word according, it's used twice here in this verse, but he what it simply means is you were consistent to and in conformity with. Okay, you were consistent to and in conformity with this world. You walked in time past according to the course of this world. And then he says to the prince of the power of the earth, that is the devil. And then he says, that is the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We were once that, and that's the wonderful work of the new birth. We were once that, we were once dead. It was a spiritual problem. And when we were quickened by the Holy Ghost, we were brought out of darkness into the kingdom of his own dear son. Hebrews 2 and 14 tells us this is the whole reason why Jesus came. Because of the spirit that's working in the children of disobedience, the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world, we're born in sin without Christ and without hope. But then in Hebrews 2 and 14, the Bible says, Therefore, as much then as the children are the partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise, as Jesus, took part of the same. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And that through his death, 
he might destroy him, that's the devil, that had the power over death. Thank God this morning that through the cross, Jesus has defeated the power of darkness. That's the power of the new birth. It's a spiritual problem, friend. If we come into this room, we're not saved this morning. You might think there's many things need to happen, but friends, it's a spiritual problem first. When God moves in that life and a man is born of the Spirit of God, God does a wonderful work in that life. Look at uh, Colossians chapter 1, probably my favorite verses. I know I quote them often, but Colossians 1 and 13. Through that power of the new birth, this is what happens. Colossians 1 and verse 13 says these words, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. This is what happens when you get saved. You're delivered from the power of darkness. Number two, he translates us, translates us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that a wonderful thing to be saved? He delivers us and then he translates us into the kingdom, here's the other kingdom, the kingdom of his own dear son. We thank God we are part of a kingdom and that king is Jesus and he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. This is his kingdom we're a part of. There's only two kingdoms in this world. There are many nations, many flags, many things that people are associated with, but we are part of the kingdom of his own dear son. That's what happens when we're saved. So what does the Bible say? I want to take some time if I could. What does the Bible say about the kingdom of his own dear son? I want to look at it if we could. John 18 and 36, Jesus himself speaking, talks about this kingdom. John 18, verse 36. If you follow through these scriptures this morning, John 18 and verse 36, Jesus tells us about this kingdom. And he says these words, John 18, 36. My kingdom... My kingdom, this is the kingdom of his his dear son, Jesus Christ. My kingdom is not of this world. Do you hear that this morning? My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, what would we do? We'd fight. That's what we'd do. If If this kingdom was of this world, then we would fight physically. We would fight, but that's not the kingdom. His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And so he says, my kingdom, here's the first thing, that's what we must know, the kingdom that we are a part of is not of this world. Secondly, Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, I want to show you what his kingdom is that we are a part of. You note here I'm not mentioning any denominations because there's no denominations in the kingdom. Second Peter 1 and verse 10 says these words, Wherefore the rather brethren, he says, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. In other words, what he says here is, don't neglect your election and your calling. Remember what the Bible says, that we're not to neglect this great salvation. How shall we escape if we shall neglect this great salvation? He wants us to be diligent to the calling and the election of God. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Verse 11 says, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. Then what does Peter say? Into the ever 
lasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. First of all, the kingdom's not of this world. But secondly, you've been born into a kingdom that's everlasting. A billion years in eternity, the kingdom of God will be going on from strength to strength. It never wanes. It never falters. This is the kingdom that we're a part of. An eternal and everlasting kingdom. And it's not of this world. Number three. Where is the kingdom? Luke chapter 17 and verse 20. Luke 17, the words of Jesus. Where is this kingdom? Luke 17, if you turn over and verse 20. And it says these words. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered and said unto them, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, what does he say? The kingdom of God, where is it? It's within you. The kingdom of God, when you're born into the kingdom, and you're on this world, and in this world, not off this world, but the kingdom of God, that's Christ in us, the hope of glory is in you. This is where the kingdom, if you're looking for it, where it is, it's in you this morning. If you turn over then to look at the kingdom, 1 Corinthians 4 and 20, this is what Paul says regarding the kingdom that is within you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 20. He says these words, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but what is it? But it's in power. Would you say the word power? Brothers and sisters, this morning... We know that this world, we're not off this world. More and more you see what's unfolding. You realize we don't actually belong here. And there's an awful lot of things that are happening are telling us that they do want us. They don't want us here. But brothers and sisters, the kingdom of God is a kingdom not of word, but it's a kingdom of power. Know what that is? That's Holy Ghost power. That's the power of the Spirit of God. That kingdom, if you're saved this morning, that kingdom is within you. There is an everlasting kingdom in you. That is Jesus Christ. He is the king and the kingdom. And he is the power and authority. And that kingdom is in you by the power of the Holy Ghost. Sadly, where we've come to really in these days, in Acts chapter 19, you don't need to turn or you can if you want, but I'll just talk about it for a moment. Paul comes uh, to a place called Ephesus. And when he comes to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, you can read it when you go home. He finds some believers there at Ephesus and he said to those believers, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He addressed believers Had they received the power that they need since they believed? And you know what they said? I believe it's sadly what's being said across the church. Maybe not exactly in word, but in practice. We have not even heard if there is a Holy Ghost. Friends, we need the power of God. Jesus said, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This is not a denominational thing. This is a kingdom thing. 
We need the power of God to live in these days, these days of great change, these days of great apostasy, these days of great movement. We need the power of God. In Romans 14 and 17, Paul says this concerning the kingdom. And you know the verse, I'm sure, very well, but this is what it is. He says in Romans 14 and verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not meat, And it is not drink, but this is what it is. It is righteousness. It is peace. Friends, what a world we are in. There is no peace in this world. People are confused. People are filled with fear. People don't know where to turn. They don't know what to think. They don't know what to believe. The atmosphere is charged with confusion. And no one knows what to say. But friends, the kingdom of God is righteousness. And it is peace. And praise God this morning. It's joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what the king. This is the kingdom that's in you, brother and sister. This is the kingdom that we're a part of. An everlasting kingdom. A kingdom not of this world. A king on that throne is Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's empowered the church by the power of the Holy Ghost this morning. And that isn't in word, but in power. And it is joy. And it is peace. And it is righteousness. And joy in the Holy Ghost. Friends, you see it all around us, the despair. You see the confusion. You see the depression. You see the, the, the whole work of the Antichrist. We talked about it last week. Not a sweep in the nations. The spirit of Antichrist is sweeping the nations at this hour. But there's a kingdom within you. A kingdom of power. A kingdom of peace. A kingdom of righteousness. A kingdom of joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the answer to this world. They need to see this kingdom. And what do they see when they see the kingdom? They see the king of that kingdom. And his name is Jesus. Have you received since you believe? The power of the Holy Ghost. To flood a life. To empower them. To live the life. To serve God. Not in word. Not in strength. Not in meat. Not in drink. But in the power of the spirit of God. That's what we need. The church needs to be infused again with the power of the Holy Ghost to live in this Antichrist world. We have not much time. The kingdom of God, the kingdom known as the world, or it is simply this Antichrist movement that is everywhere. We looked at it last week that the powers of heaven will be shaken prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This final days in which we're living, and I believe we're living in the last days, that could become a familiar term, sadly. It can become something, well, we hear this all the time. Tim would talk about the second coming quite a lot. Why? Because I believe in it. And I know it's about to happen, and it's happening soon. And so we see the conflict as this, as this world is plummeting deeper into a mess, we see the spirit, as we looked at it last week, of Antichrist that will invade every earthly system and government, political, social, economical, educational, whatever way you want to look at it. We see that it will infiltrate every aspect of this life. The conflict will intensify between the kingdom of God, the king kingdom of God and the God of this world as we approach the second coming of the Lord. 
Someone said to me recently, well, I don't believe that the Lord's coming soon. We could be here in our thousand years because no man knows the day or the hour. Have you heard that? Maybe you have heard that. Maybe you haven't. There's not too many about that are saying that. But sure, we've always had wars, haven't we? We've always had earthquakes. We've always had pestilence, plagues. We've always had natural catastrophes. But friends, I want to talk just very quickly why. Three things why I believe that the Lord's coming soon. Number one, I believe the Lord's coming soon because the prophecy concerning Israel as a nation has been fulfilled in 1948 after 2,000 years of them being destitute and scattered across the world. That's the first thing that hasn't happened before. Secondly, secondly, this is important. There will be an explosion, and there is, there has been, and there will be an explosion of homosexuality across the nations of the world that has never been before. But there's always been homosexuality, absolutely. But there has never been a time when the nations of the world have changed their laws, have accommodated, and now they call that which we once knew was evil, they call it good, and you're the evil one. That's the second thing. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Sodom, there was an explosion of immorality. That will also indicate the coming of the Son of God. So has there always been wars? Yes, but there'll be an increase of wars. Has there always been plagues? Yes, but there'll be an increase of plagues. Has there always been confusion? Yes, there'll be an increase in those things. But there are some things that are very clear that indicate the coming of Christ. First of all, remember this. Israel becoming a nation after 2,000 years. That's a fulfillment of God's word. Number two, the explosion of immorality and homosexuality. Like we've never seen it before. It has not been like this before. There's always been immorality, but never on this scale across the nations. The governments of these nations are legislating that that is right. That offends a holy God. And number three, there'll be a mass departure from the faith. There'll be an apostasy from the faith. That is currently, whether people believe this or not, that is happening. Those three things indicate to me that now we are in a stage, in a time, I cannot tell you when the Lord's coming, because no man knoweth the hour. But Jesus made it very clear and gave us indications of the coming of Christ. That's why we believe that he's coming and he's coming soon. Now John the Baptist that tells us, Jesus said of him, Matthew 11 verse 12, if you turn over to it, what is our purpose or warfare in these last days? That's why I believe we need the power of the Holy Ghost. Matthew 11 and verse 12, Jesus said, and from the days of John the Baptist, Baptist, sorry, until now, the kingdom of heaven, Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. It's interchangeable with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God suffereth violence. Now we know this is not a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing. And the violent, he said, what do they do? They take it by force. That means there's an intense spiritual warfare that's taking place currently in this nation, in these nations, as we're approaching the coming of the Lord. Paul tells us clearly that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Friends, I want to tell you, I want you to listen carefully. 
The devil is more subtle than any beast of the field. He wants to make this a battle of the flesh and the blood. He wants it to make it a warfare of personalities and people. That is not our battle. It is a spiritual one. He says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. I was reading from the Christian Institute as they're challenging, I believe it's in, uh, for those who work in the civil service, the changing of all the names of how you're supposed to address uh, the whole transgender movement and what you have to say, what you're not allowed to do. And if you do not conform to that, you'll lose your job. Let me tell you, friends, we're in serious days. We're not against the people, not against the personalities, not against men and women in government. It's the spiritual powers of darkness in high places. And that's why we're talking last week about the sight and the understanding of where we are. How will we fight a good fight then in these days? If you turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18, Paul is speaking to Timothy and he says these words, and if you just stand the book of Timothy 1 and 2 for a moment, 1 Timothy 1 and 18, Paul said, This charge I commit unto thee, my son Timothy, according to the prophecies which were before on thee, 1 Timothy 1 18, that thy that thy by them, by the word of the Lord, by the prophecies that are upon your life, that you might war. A good warfare. I want to ask you, Christian, this morning, how many people want to fight a good fight? I mean, there's only one fight, and it's the good fight of faith. How many want to war a good warfare? How many people want to be, as it were, like Paul and say, I fought a good fight and I finished the course. A good fight, the good fight. How do we do that? Well, Paul tells Timothy how he's to do it in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. He's instructing the younger in the way that he should live his life. Second Timothy 2 and 1, he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. In other words, he sent past the baton on to others. Pass the warfare on. Pass the, the good teachings on to other men and women that they might also fight this good fight. Verse 3, he says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Friends, I want to tell you there is going to be hardness in these days. But by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Ghost, we are able to overcome. There is a hardness. There is These are hard days. People are talking about difficult times, hard times. Paul says, brothers and sisters, I want you to endure hardness as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we watched a wee documentary on the Salvation Army and its birth. And, you know, it's, it's a bit old-fashioned in its presentation. I think it was made back in the 50s. And it goes right back to the early days of, of Booth and, and in the Methodist church and how they wanted to bring a restriction on him that he wouldn't do this and do that and go there and do this. Catherine Booth jumps up out of that congregation and shouts, Never! 
Imagine that. And the two of them leave the church. Sorry if you were sleeping there and I woke you up. But the two of them walk out of the church. They go down into the east east end of London. And they go down into the worst. And they go down into the gutters. And they were spat upon and urine. The people urinated over them and poured buckets of slop over them. And they went down into the gutters and they went after the worst and got sealed by his power. And they endured hardships. They were rejected. They were mocked. They were laughed. Friends, brothers and sisters this morning. We must endure hardship as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And there's going to be hard days ahead. But we are overcomers in Jesus We have to make a stand for Jesus in the days in which we're living. He says, endure hard. And look at verse 4. How do we do it? No man that warreth. Look what he says. Entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, I believe every one of us can identify with this. This, the affairs of this life are, are wanting to just wrap themselves around us and pull us into that world and all its reasoning and all its thought and all its conspiracy and all its all the different things. Friends, I want to tell you, we're soldiers of the cross and we can't entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Do you know you've been chosen to be a soldier in the army of the Lord? Isn't that an amazing thing? You have been chosen to be a soldier in the army of the Lord. This is the greatest army on this planet. It's the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're a soldier in the army. Praise God. You've been won by the love of Christ. You've been delivered from the powers of darkness. You've been translated into his kingdom. You've been given a position and a place at a time to fight the good fight of faith. But if you're going to fight, Don't entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. So we're in a warfare. We looked at the shaking that's taken place last week. Christ warned us of this. The powers of heaven are going to be shaken. That will and is affecting every area of this world. But there's something amazing about the kingdom of God. How can we be unmovable? Is this me trying to be really brave? Stick my chest out? Hold my arms together, grip my teeth, cross my fingers. Hopefully I'll get through it. This has nothing to do with it. This is the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not meat and drink. It's the power of God. But here's something about this kingdom. If you turn over to Hebrews chapter 12, Paul, I believe, takes up the writing here concerning this shaking that's happening. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, and he says these words, Now he's comparing the two of the old and the new. In the old, he is looking at Mount Sinai. Remember the Lord came down. It shook the clouds, the lightning, everything. There was a border around it. You crossed that border. You were instantly dead. But thank God we're not coming to Mount Sinai. We're coming to Mount Zion. He says, but you're come, verse 22 in Hebrews 12. You're come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaks. For if they escape not who refused him that speak on earth, How much more 
How much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven? This is really sobering words. Verse 26 says, Whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has, what has he said? He's promised. This is a promise what's happening currently. It's a promise from God. He says, yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but I'm going to shake the heaven. This is a promise. This is happening. I believe the shaking's already begun. He's promised he would do it, and he's doing it. And this word, verse 27, yet once more signifieth the removing of the things that are shaken. Brothers and sisters, how many people know that everything that is being shaken can be shaken and will be shaken? Do you see it being shaken? Do you see the political systems of the world? They're shaking. It's like someone has got just a ball and began to shake it and it's rattling. Do you see it happening? Are you witnessing it? Do you see the shaking across the world in every aspect and every system? Why is it happening? Because God said it would happen. That's why it's happening. Because God said it will happen. And so he's begun to shake. Yet once more I will shake not the earth only, but also the heaven, signifying the removing of the things that are shaken as things that are made, that those things that cannot be shaken may remain. We'll look at verse 28. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom, what does it say? Which cannot be. Brothers and sisters, we have something that cannot be shaken. We have something this morning. You know, your outward man might perish. The afflictions are coming. The trial of our faith is real. The pressure's on. The intensity's on. We see everything that's happening. But glory to God, this morning we have a kingdom that cannot be moved. We'll never be moved. When Paul says, be ye steadfast, unmovable, he's not telling us to try your best not to move. He's saying, you've got something that'll never be moved. That's the kingdom of God. And he says these words. He says these words. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. And he's coming, friends, in all his power and all his glory. And he's going to burn up everything of this world. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. He's not going to recycle nothing. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But we have a kingdom that cannot be moved. Now, where did Paul pull this prophecy from? He pulled it out of Haggai chapter 2. And I want you to go back for a moment to show you something. Because the shadows, the type of the old, bringing in the new, is absolutely wonderful when you see it. Haggai chapter 2, verse 21. The prophet speaks here, again, concerning his day, but also the day in which we are living. Haggai 2 verse 21. He says, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the kingdom, the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy. This is what God's going to do in these days. I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen. Friends, I tell you what's happening right now. This word is being fulfilled. The strength of the kingdoms of the heathen and the kingdoms of this world are being weakened because God has said he will shake them and they'll be weakened by the almighty power of God. They are weakening day by day. 
I will overthrow then, he says, the chariots and those that ride in them, the horses and the riders. And you might be saying, Tim, I haven't seen no chariots. I've seen no horse and riders. I haven't seen any of that. What are you talking about? You know that the symbolism of these chariots and the horses and the horsemen, it speaks of the powers and the kingdoms of this world. It speaks of the strength and the might of that Antichrist world. It speaks of men, the heathen of this world, and all their might and all their strength are standing up with everything that they can to defy an almighty God. Friends, what God's starting to do is shake the whole earth. He is an almighty God. He's far above it all. He contains the whole universe within himself. There is no one like our God. He is almighty. He is all powerful. He is wonderful. He is counselor. He's the mighty God. And there's no one like him. And he's beginning to shake the nations. And their strength is beginning to wane. Their horses, their chariots, the powers of darkness are beginning to lose their strength and their grip. Because they know They're in the last moments of time. The devil knows his time is short. Now what's happening here? If you turn over into Exodus 14, sorry, you'll see a type here of what we're about to experience. This is a shadow of something so much greater we're about to see. Exodus chapter 14, you know the story that Moses is sent in. He has this word of the Lord to Pharaoh, let my people go that they might serve me or worship me. We know that Pharaoh is a type of Satan. He's resisting the will of God and the word of God. And you know, God works in a mysterious way. You would think that God would just work immediately once Moses stepped in. But all the time what God is doing, he's drawn out Pharaoh. He's going to draw out that army. He's going to draw out all of hell and all their wickedness and every demonic spirit. He's going to draw them all out. And then he's going to come in all his power and all his glory. And he's going to destroy them all. It says here in Exodus 14 and verse 6, look what happens. Pharaoh made his chariot ready. It says in verse 7, he took 600 chosen chariots, all the chariots of Egypt and captains. Every one of them, in verse 8 it says, The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And it tells us there that he pursued after the children of Israel. There's a pursuing of the powers of darkness after God's people. There's a pursuing after God's people in these days. Friends, you've got to know there's a warfare and there's a good fight that we can fight, but thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for faith. Thank God for healing. Thank God for deliverance. Thank God for peace. Thank God for the joy in the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the peace that passes understanding. Thank God for the oil of gladness. Thank God we have a victory this morning. But he's pursuing. He's pursuing. He pursued after them. Tells us there that the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses, the chariots of Pharaoh, the horsemen, his army. He overtook them camping by the sea. Tells us there in verse 10 that the Egyptians marched after them. And look what happened. They were sore. They were sore afraid. Friends, this world is filled with fear. It is, it is, it is just unreal. It is nearly, you can't even begin to grasp the fear that people are living in because the powers of darkness are marching. They're marching. They're after God's people. They're after. And there's a, a fear that comes in. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. 
You know what they began to say? It's better, remember, if we're going to fight a good warfare, don't be entangled with the affairs of this world. Don't fight this battle in the flesh. What happened there? They said, look, it's better that we serve the Egyptians. Think about it. God had brought them out with a mighty deliverance, led them out with his great hand, led them down to the Red Sea. They see Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen pursuing after them, marching after them. They get to that place where it looks as though it's impossible. And then they said, you know what, it's better. If you brought us out here to kill us, it'd be better for us to serve this world. Brothers and sisters, Moses stood and stands in the midst of it and simply says, Listen, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. God's about to move on the behalf of his people. God's about to break through. There's no demon. There's no devil. All this antichrist and everything in the kingdoms of this world. What's happening? God's shaking the whole thing. And they're losing their strength. And there'll be more for us and be for them. Friends, the devil pursued them. Now we live in a world. And you might say, right, I believe, Tim, everything that you said there, I have a kingdom that can't be moved. I believe that. I believe that this kingdom all around us is being shaken, it's being weakened. I believe all of that. Where is the real conflict then? I believe it. You believe it. But why the conflict? Why? Why the despair? Why the fear? Why the losing of peace? Why the words of unbelief? Why we'll serve the Egyptians then? We'll just entangle ourselves. Why just... Why all this is going on, I tell you why, friends. It's so important that you see it. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul tells us exactly where the battle takes place, exactly where it is. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1, he brings us to where the battle is. And friends, I know that there are many in this room are engaged in this battle and it's fierce. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 1, he says, Now... We beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I beseech you, he begs you, and by the gathering together unto him. That's the church meeting together. That's not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Some people might say, well, I can meet with God in the house. I hope you do. You're supposed to. But we're also supposed to meet as the church, to gather together in the name of the Lord, that you soon that you be not soon, what does he say? Verse 2, shaken in your mind. I'll tell you where the battle is, where the real battle is. I have a kingdom that's never going to be moved. You have a kingdom too, never going to be moved. Never, it will never move. But you know and I know there's a kingdom out there that's being shaken and it's moving all over the place. You can't keep up with it, you're better not trying to. It's moving everywhere, it's crumbling, it's shaking. But the battle that goes on, really in all of this, that's what Paul's saying, I don't want you to be shaken here. Because that's where the battle is, isn't it? Would you say amen if you believe that? Because there might be some here thinking, I'm the only one that has a battle here. And you might encourage them just by saying, instead of pretending you've got it all together, you might encourage them by saying, I understand and encourage you in your face. Listen, there's a battle But thank God, you don't have to fight this battle because he's won it all on the cross. He says, I don't want you to be shaken. The reason why he says that is because you can be. He wouldn't say, I don't want you to be shaken if you couldn't be shaken. 
He says that you soon not be shaken in your mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter from us. For the day of Christ is at hand. In other words, it's right at the door. He's about to come. And there's a shaking. How are you shaking in your mind? I want to tell you, friend, is what you feed into that mind is going to determine is going to determine so much about what you are. What you feast on in here, listen, let's be real this morning, what you put into there is what you're going to become. If your focus is that, that's what you're going to be. If your focus is in the conspiracy theories, that's what you're going to be filled with. If your focus is in all the systems of this world and everything that they're doing, that's what you'll be consumed with. But if your focus is on Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, he's your victory. He's your victory. The real battle's here. Paul said these words in 1 Corinthians 2 and 1. He said, Brethren, I haven't come to you with the excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. This is what Paul said. I actually believe this is what he would say if he was here this morning. I I believe he'd say this. I'm determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He was a man after one thing. That was Jesus. And I was with you in weakness. He wasn't a strong man. I was with you in fear. I was with you in trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with the enticing words of wisdom, but it was in the demonstration of the Spirit and a power. Why was it that way? That our faith, I believe this is as real today as it was nearly 2,000 years ago when he put it on paper, that our faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but our faith is in the power of God. The power of God. Friends, I want to tell you, things are changing rapidly. Things are being shaken by the powers. The powers of hell are raging up. Chariots, horsemen, everything is rising up. But thank God, who's shaking it? God, he is going to weaken their strength. He's going to pull down the apparatus of men and praise God. He's coming for a glorious church. Friends, that kingdom is within you. But it's not a kingdom that's defeated. It's not a kingdom. It's not a kingdom, friends, of of the flesh. It's not a kingdom of activity of men. It's a kingdom of power. It's a kingdom of peace. It's a kingdom of righteousness and joy in the Holy Ghost. You know, I believe we really have come this stage like that church at Ephesus in Acts 19. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Some might say, well, I got baptized 40, 50 years ago. Friends, are you filled with the Holy Ghost today? Are you filled with the power of God? Are you filled with the word of God? Are you filled with the love of Christ? Are you filled with the things of God? I tell you, friends, that world is trying to take over these minds with all its thoughts, with all everything. I want to tell you, we got to get our focus on the Lord. we got to be unmovable because we have received a kingdom that will never be moved, ever, ever be moved. That's the kingdom that we're a part of. We need to have a kingdom mind. May God endure us with that power to live that life for him because these days, our awesome days. Not going to change much 
is probably going to wax worse and worse, just as the Bible says. But we must be a people that are filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the power of God. You stand with me this morning. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God. We're going to look to God. We're going to trust the Lord this morning that God would touch his people with the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what we need, friend, the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus, this morning. Father, Lord, you know every heart that's in this room, every life, Lord, that needs you this morning. Lord, we need you. As a people, we need you. As individuals, we need you. We see the invasion that's coming through every means and every methods and the media and every word that's trying to get in, Lord, to take our minds away from you. But, oh, God, I pray you'd not only cleanse the atmosphere, Lord, did you cleanse every mind from every thought that's not of you, Lord. Forgive us if there's thoughts in our hearts and in our minds today that's not of you. You're a discerner, Lord, of this heart, of every heart in this room. Lord, would you move by your Spirit, Lord. Lord, that you would cleanse our minds, our hearts, Lord, afresh. Lord, would you anoint our eyes to see this Christ. Lord, may we ever be fixed and focused on Jesus this morning. But Lord, we need the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we're empty, Lord. Going through the motions, Lord. Going through the things, Lord, because our minds have been filled with the things of this world. But oh God, we pray that you would fill us afresh with the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we thank you. It's a kingdom of power. Not in word only, but in power. And Lord, that's what our cry is today. Oh, Father, would you touch lives in this room. Lord, would you move by your Spirit in the name of Jesus. I want to pray for those that are real battles are taking place in your mind this morning.